This is the Potters Podcast and welcome. Mainly going to be talking about Newcastle and their takeover of easily the richest team in football now and how it's going to affect Stoke and what we actually believe about this. Can it be good for Stoke or has it just literally killed any sort of competition off in the next few years? We'll discuss that with Ange. We're going to talk a bit about Stoke. Hello Ange, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. And just before we start, I hope you will remember to get in the question... And the question is, uh, what order do you think the top six will end at the end of the season? So you've had a week to think about that, Ian. So I look forward to you answering that later in the podcast. I answered it last week, didn't I? On the end of the podcast. But I, I, to be honest, I can't remember what I said. Exactly. And I thought you'd change it. You know, you've got Ben Wilmot's 11 first. And then I think everybody else, it didn't matter. Well, imagine having a team of 11 players of Ben Wilmot. We'd walk the league. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, so as we have heard this week, there's been a major bit of news in English football that's come out that I think we've got we've got to discuss because everybody else is, literally everybody else is. And that is Newcastle's takeover by people who've got more money than everybody else. I mean, I, I heard a tweet the other day that apparently you put all the money of everybody else in the Premier League together, they still are 100 million behind the new Newcastle owners. What do you think of this takeover? Um, I tell you what I think. If they take over Stoke, I'd be delighted. If they take over anybody else's club, I think uh, their human rights should be questioned. And I'm not being sarcastic there. That's what every football fan will think. They'll think um, they'd love it to be their own club, but if it isn't, they'll find a reason why it shouldn't happen. And that's what will happen in football. The one thing I will say is, if you look at the fit and proper persons test for individuals, I do think you should look at it for... Uh, states. I mean, Man City are playing great football, but that doesn't excuse the human rights violations that are going on in Qatar, where they're building the, the stadium for the World Cup, but the stadiums for the World Cup. But in terms of football, I think it will bring even more great players to, to these shores to, to play, because that's where the money will be. And I think Newcastle will now become a formidable force. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Steve Bruce. And there are very few places with more fans that support their club like the fans at Newcastle. So I'm delighted for them because they've had some pretty horrendous years. And then I see that Mike Ashley's looking at maybe taking over a club like Derby. So I don't think he's gone out of the window completely, do you? Uh, no, I think it's good news for Derby though, even though I hate Derby, which we're going to talk about later. My opinions of it is... I'm glad it's happened to Newcastle because it's a, a club it was sort of my second team when I was very young when Kevin Keegan played all the great football, you know, Esprit, Ferdinand and Ginola and Albert. And if anybody does deserve a takeover... Andy then, Griffin. And, yeah, Andy Griffin. Yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and to be honest, it's great to see that a club like Newcastle are finally going to get out of an owner, owner like Mike Ashley, you know, a man who bleeds and takes money away from everything. And I just think it's great news... But will it kill football? They've got more. They, they can throw a billion like it, like it's nothing. Like you know, we spend go. Oh well, it's only a tenny. They're, they're like, oh, it's only a billion. <laughs> it's it's frightening the amount of money they're going to have soon. I mean, the talk is they're on about giving Mbappe eight hundred grand a week on a five year deal. It's frightening amounts of money. It is. The, the, the money involved in football is, is uh, if you look at it in realistic terms, it's ludicrous. But if you were a footballer, you'd love it. And um, it, It's a business now. We think upon your football team as, as it's your football team and you support them. But they're football clubs now, our businesses first. I 
Town Football Club second and, and I'm afraid that whilst you and I will never think of Stoke City as a business that's what it is and Newcastle United the same and they, those people have put the money in the club um, not because they need the money they put it because they know it's a good business investment and they'll they'll make money out of it yeah they will I mean like Stoke let's be honest we've got good wealthy owners and we've been basically like a club with us at one arm tied behind us back because I'm sure Peter Coates at particular parts in our time in the Premier League want to go ER he's 100 million sort this team out but of course FFP will always hate a club like Stoke so it's another reason why I do not like FFP because it stops clubs growing which is why they bought it in the first place in my opinion to stop other clubs like Man City and Chelsea from thriving and it's a good place to take over Newcastle it's a massive city only one club near there really That I think every other club around Newcastle or close to Castle apart from Sunderland they're all non-league so it's great for a place like that and, and I can remember I think it was Graham Souness or somebody said there's only three clubs in England that could fill a 100,000 seat stadium Liverpool, Man United and Newcastle so it, it's very clever how they decided to go there but, you know, when it's that, the money, the, the amounts of money they got, the thing I'm scared of and the thing that I don't want to happen is that Newcastle are able to build a side that good that no one else can compete with them. And, you know, it could take away, you know, the sports naturally by having a side that good because they can go and yeah, get everybody. Yeah, could, I would agree with that. I also think there'll be a few Middlesbrough fans. I hope they don't listen to this podcast because they'll be wanting to hang to and court you with saying that the only... Other club in the league, you know, near to Sunderland. Um, but I just think these things have a habit of levelling themselves out. The standards will obviously go up. The cost of transfers will will go up. But there's all there's always other other clubs that will come around. Man United, Chelsea. If you remember when Chelsea had Abramovich and he came in at the start, at Chelsea were going to run away with everything, and then that's evened up. And I and I just do believe that uh, Newcastle may get better and better I'm sure they will with the money that we ploughed in but I don't think that they'll end up running away with the league and the only decent thing you can say about Mike Ashley's ownership is that that club was sold debt free and there aren't too many clubs sold debt free in this day and age No it is like the thing is I think they're very similar at times the Cokes family and Ashley except Ashley is of course running a club with a a lot of expectation it's not like a club like Stoke where he'd been in the you know the lower leagues for a long time and getting in the Premier League it took nearly 30 years didn't it to get back to the top flight yeah and you know it's, it's a different subject you know Stoke a long long time ago did used to get crowds of 40,000 back in the days of Stanley Matthews but they have dwindled a lot since then and, and it is basically like Stoke over recent times is a club on revival that's come back out of literally the dundrums, which a lot of clubs don't do. You know, you look at Stockport, who had times in the top flight a long time ago, like, but they never recovered. And it's great what the coach family have done. They've kept us alive, but I, I still have a feeling that, you know, let's put it this way. If Stoke went back to the Premier League, could you see our owners putting 100 million in to build a side that could, you know, compete with the Premier League? And it's not having a go, I'm just having a a simple conversation about the situation. Could you see those kind of things happening at Stoke? I think Stoke owners will have learnt from um, the last time they are in the Premier League. I don't think Stoke owners will ever throw the same amount of money as your Man City's, your Man United's, your Chelsea's and now your Newcastle's, but I certainly think we'll have a competitive side when we go back. Well, that's what I'm hoping for, because at the end of the day, if we do get back up, it's going to be a real mountain, because at the moment, it is a 
billionaire plaything, isn't it, the Premier League? It really yeah, is. But, but why are you saying if? It's when, not if. Uh, Everything is cyclical in the world of sport, and Stoke will go back to the Premier League. Well, he will, because I've always said, and I've always always back, back with that, that Stoke are a big club, and I think they've always been a good a big club but they're just not very good at cup competitions and they're not very good at league competitions it's just one of them things <laughs> I can't remember who told me that he said I remember years ago I was talking to a fan who was a very wise fan who supported Wolves and he said I've always liked Stoke they're a good side they're just, they're just not very good at cup competitions and not very good at league competitions I said what are we good at then he says you're good at beating the big boys but you don't like league. you're not very good at playing the lowers and I was like no, bang no, on there <laughs> Yeah, I think the Newcastle takeover, I think it is good for football in many ways. It's bad for football in other ways. But I think if they can bring like the real... Because I'll be honest, I've never seen many top, top players leave You know the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona to come and play in the Premier League. We've seen it right at the end of the careers, like when Hoyt came in and like Vialli when he was in his mid-30s. And we've seen players like Ronaldo become a good player but it was after leaving United where he really become the legend that he is today and then he's come back you know when he's 36 to try and save Man United who haven't won a trophy for years and years but I think they've got that ability now with with Newcastle where they can go and get an Mbappe go get a Haaland and go get the, the creme de la creme to come and play in the Premier League which has got to be good for for us fans, I mean, when we get back to the Premier League, you know, the likes of seeing Mbappe on a pitch and seeing him live with his own eyes, it's 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 something I'm, I'm relishing now, and it's good for yeah. f- fans of smaller clubs because, in the end of the day, at this division we're in now, we're not a small club, but in the Premier League, we are. Well, I mean, we're sort of a mid-range club, aren't we, Stoke? We, we've been. We are. S- we had three nine-place finishes, and um, we were all pretty happy with that, but. What I'm looking forward to is when Stoke get back, if I'm still around to witness it, who will be the person that takes the mantle of Andy Wilkinson and upends a, a top-class player, um, puts them on the backside and gets the boot and end of the whole of the ground on side and, and gets that bare pit atmosphere back? Who, who's going to be our player that uh, demolishes some of the big boys? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm sure you'll say Ben Wilmot. I was going to say Ben Wilmot, but then I backed out. Um, who would do that? Joe Allen. I, I think Tommy <laughs> Smith would do it, you see. Yeah, I thought Tommy Smith as well, but I think Joe Allen would do that. It's one of them with yeah. it. So, like, we'll talk about it now. Of course, a lot of the games have gone on now, and it's obviously a pre a pre-season, a, a international friendly where, you know, football doesn't exist at this point. When international Have you been bored though, Ian, this week? I've been horrifically bored. I've, I've had nothing to look forward to. The only thing that I've been going on is is how Kevin Keegan's all of a sudden taken over Port Vale. And <laughs> there's goals going in left, right and centre at both ends. <laughs> I don't know what's going I bet it must be dead exciting to be a Vale fan at this moment in time. Yeah, it's even better being a Stoke fan when they lose in yeah. the last minute. It was, for me, the only thing that was... And I know it's childish, everybody listening, but I'm sure you all feel like me. Uh, when we won in the last few minutes against West Brom, firstly, I'm not so sure how I would have felt if we'd have had a week of not winning that match. We've got another week to go yet. So you can understand how, how important it is to, to win these games for players as well as fans. But I was the only thing that sort of upset me last week was that they all won in the injury time, having been losing. And then yesterday, of course, the great scales of justice evened out and they all lost in injury time, which... I'm awfully sorry, but I did laugh. But that's 
forward, isn't it? You know, one week you're great and the next week you aren't great. And it could happen to us next Saturday, so I'm not saying much more. To, to be honest, on the Vale thing, I didn't even know. Till, till Joe told me this morning when I was at work, she goes, oh, do you watch the oh, Vale were unlucky, weren't they? I went, wow, what, did, they, did they play? He was like, yeah, they played Sutton, lost in the last minute. But the well, thing that's is, the difference with, with, with you and me, you see. I, I, I'm from a different era than you, and I remember the two seasons when, you know, Vale were actually slightly better than us. I, I, I give them that. Um and there was rivalry, but it, the rivalry will mean nothing to people like you. No, like I used to go I, when I was very young. I used to go in in all the veils. That's why that's why I, I hate Ian Bogey with an absolute passion. But it, <laughs> but it was I, I don't even know why anymore. But I, I hate him. Like my dad said, "Why do you hate him?" I can't remember, but I still hate him, and I don't know why. <laughs> but then I remember the game when Mark Sharon scored twice, and it was like the the greatest deflection of all time. I call it, which got the first goal. I remember them games. I remember. I don't remember more than the the Mark Steen era because I was only going now and again because I was a very young child at that point. So, but when '96 come along and obviously the Euros gone, it, it completely inspired me into football, and that's when I started picking up a ball more and I started paying more attention. That's when I really started knowing. That's when I found Mark Sharon at Stoke, and, he, and it was like every time Stoke played away when I obviously didn't go, I saw. On the old C fax, if everyone could, I mean, there's going to be a lot of listeners who won't even know what that is. It's like a black screen that told you the scores. And I can remember just seeing Mark Sharon's name all the time. And he's wise, a bit of an hero of mine, which I know he isn't to a lot of people. But I do remember the rivalry between Port Vale and, and Stoke. But we haven't played each other since, really. And that that's the thing. It's like all Stoke's history was clammed into a five, six year period. In before and after, we never really bumped into each other. So really, can we call it that rivalry? Because my right, I'll be honest, when we talk, talk about it later, when we go through as top six rival, rivals, I'm edging towards, I can't really put them on it. And that's the difference. Like Obviously, when you were younger, you were you were more already into football at that point and were breathing it. So when Stoke were playing Vale then, it was, there was more passion in it. Where yeah. for me, I was very young and then it stopped. And it's stopped yeah. for a long time. And that's that's the big difference. Because let's be honest, they are garbage. And we aren't. So, it, 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 you know, and I mean, I don't mean upset anyone, but I do mean to upset because they are garbage. Uh, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. so, so we'll talk about that when the rivalry later on when we go into that. Okay. But first, what everybody wants to talk about and everyone's talking about is what we think of the season so far. And I was asked that question this morning. And I'm very dubious still. I'm not being 100% confident this time, which is quite frightening because we're playing well. But I think my cautious head's jumped on. How are you feeling with it so far, Anne? We're probably a little bit better and a little bit higher up the table than I expected. I'm still cautiously optimistic because last season I was optimistic too of us getting in the playoffs and then the wheels fell off with the injuries and that could still happen this season. But I think we're playing better. I think we're a much better team than we were last year. I think the players are really, really hungry. And if we do not get in the top six, then something very serious has gone on. Because I don't think we can have that amount of injuries with the squad we've got that we can't cover. Uh, so I'm still, I'm still optimistic. And um, I think this particular month, as we said in the last podcast, you know, we've, we've got the Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Millwall and Cardiff and I think the, this is a really tough month and if we come out of this month okay 
then I think um, we're as good as we can be. You've said cautious there. What makes you cautious? What What on the pitch is making you feel cautious at this moment in time? Injuries. Does I think the I think the nature of the league is such that it's a brutal league this year, and um, you only need two or three injuries in a in a three game week where you can't put out your best team or near your best team, and all of a sudden you've lost nine points. And in a league as competitive as the Championship, it's pretty pretty difficult, if if at all possible, to get those points back. And any team that goes up also has to have a fair degree of luck. In the, in the championship I know there's luck in all sport but I, I think you need a fair degree of it um, in the championship to, to along with the, the good play and the wins and maybe some fair weather decisions uh, you, you need to have um, a lot less injuries than we had last year and that's the only thing that bothers me Stephen Fletcher he won't play as much as we would like him to play we've already seen Seema get injured by a very heavy tackle in a match at Watford you've got Nick Powell who will get clattered the more the season goes on you only need a massive injury to somebody like Suter or Wilmot in the back and you're struggling there and we had a problem with the goalkeepers last season so let's hope we stay clear of that so to me it's just injuries and a bit of luck yeah like I've got obviously a worry of injuries because the, the there's two players that really worry me if they get injured at this moment in time and that's Vrancic and Powell they're, they're the only ones the rest of them I can sort of see a replacement there's somebody who can come in and I think can do a good enough job to keep the momentum going but I think if we lost to Vrancic I think it'd kill us I think if we lost to Powell for say the rest of the season like what happened to Campbell I could see that really costing us the other thing that's really worrying me though is the chances we're missing that, that's that's the thing that's worrying me because there's there's been so many points we've already dropped because of bad finishing and I know there's, there's two men at the front of that who play at the front, weirdly enough. You'd expect to be centre-backs missing, but it isn't, it's strikers. The problem I'm having is players like Sam Surridge, you know, constantly shooting at the goalkeeper rather than in the bottom corners. And Jacob Brown, obviously not the greatest finisher, but has improved this season, I'm not going to slate it. Does that have a worry? Do you think there's such a pressure now on Tyrese Campbell when he does come back that it could affect him? No, I don't, and, I, and I'll tell you what would worry me more, Ian, if we weren't making the chances. If we were making, say, one chance a match and we missed it, then that's the time to worry. I think Stoke are making lots of chances, and I think eventually they'll batter somebody 5 or 6 nil, and, and then people will have a bit more confidence. Seema, we haven't really seen much of him because, let's be honest, as I've said before, none of us really know how good he is. We've seen him on the telly against Leicester and the Arsenal. Um, and he's, he's fast and he looks like he needs the ball uh, slammed into him in the penalty area and he'll get better at Stoke but I, I just think we've, we've got enough about us to make enough chances in the game to convert enough to win more points than we'll lose yeah we've had a couple of matches where I mean West Brom was another one we played him off the pitch we eventually got the luck well it wasn't a luck it was a good goal um, but then you looked at Barnsley and you couldn't believe how we didn't win that match at Derby. Even though we lost that match, it was five minutes of mental suicide that we had that caused the problems. And apart from that, we, we should have at least drawn that match. There was only one game this season where I thought we looked out class and that was Fulham. And boy, have we learned from that because the way we played West Brom compared to the way we played at Fulham, I thought was exceptional. And, and so that doesn't bother me at all. Fair enough. I am sorry, just basically does worry me, but 
I'm just hoping it clicks. He's, he's, I don't think it's going to be a regular anyway. When the when you know the players that they've put a lot of investment in in Simmer and Campbell come back anyway. So as backup players, I think you know at the moment at the moment we are playing with backup players. I don't care what anyone says. I said that this morning. At the moment we're playing without first choice strikers. Simmer's out and hopefully back as and can see how good he actually is because the talk is he's amazing. I don't know how Brighton have got him to be honest. And, and then you've got Campbell as well. Like we know we know how good Campbell is. If he can come back far, you, you were expecting. I, I'm sorry, I'm making an assumption here. You were expecting Campbell to come back in that team and be the same player that Campbell was when he was when he left the team. And I think that's pretty harsh. Um, and I think a lot of Stoke fans are expecting that lad to come back in the team and be as good as he was. Uh, when he went out injured and that's a really difficult ask I don't think he'll hit the ground running I think he'd be very good but I think he's going to have to play himself back into the team in terms of get himself back up to speed it doesn't matter how good he is in the under 23s and how much he's been training the guy's had a really serious injury and it'll take him some matches to get back to full match fitness up to the standard that we're playing so I don't think you should expect him to hit the ground running we can all hope for it um, but I don't think he will no, I don't, I don't think he will, and I'll, I'll always give him the time. He needs the time. He's he's had a serious injury. It's going to take him a month or two getting himself used to playing football again. You know, he's, he's been playing FIFA for a year and try and recover and get himself fit. You know, it's, it isn't going to be just straight in and, and Campbell's going to go bang, 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 goal, goal, goal. But I know, I know if he's got anything about him or any any mental strength, he knows and he'll be seen when he's sat up in the in the posh seats at the Bet365 where he's looking and going, I could have finished that. I could have finished yeah. it. I hope he's coming, going to come back and go, right, there's chances created here and I'll take him. And if he does get in, if, if he can finally get that form, because if he can get the form back, you know, towards the end, I'd say January time, if he can get a bit of form then, it's like a bit of a redemption from last season when he did get the injury, where he could score the goals that could even get as automatic. You know, it's one of them kind of things with Tyrese Campbell. But it, for me, I'm just hoping the Stoke fans don't put too much pressure on, like you've just said, and, and expect him to just come back and start smacking hat-tricks in. That, he's not fit, and he's still only a young lad, everyone forgets as well. Everyone sort of talks about him now like he's an experienced 25-year-old player that we know how good he is. He's still a kid. I think he's only 22, isn't he? 21, 22. He's still a lad. He's still yeah. got to learn his game properly yet. Yeah, he was amazing first half of last season. He was. He was our best player, I'd say, behind Nick Powell. We've just got to give that time to let him develop in. Because I, I believe he will come back and start. But but I don't think he'll come back like he was at the beginning of last season. It's going to take time. And that's, that, that's the thing. So if you're going to pick a moment of the season so far, what was your favourite moment of, this, of, the, of the season? Uh, well, the the one that I'm going to pick is probably everybody will think that's because uh, it was the last match. But for me, the favourite moment was Nick Powell lobbing the keeper and getting the winner against West Brom. Because um, a, a couple of years ago or last year, that wouldn't have gone in. And that's what I mean about having a bit of luck. We played teams off the pitch and not had the luck. And this year, I think we're having a bit more luck. And the harder you work and the more you play, the well, the, the more that you get. So that, for me, was was um, the highlight of the season. Not just because it got us the three points, but it showed how him, Tommy Smith had improved because he's making numerous assists for Nick Powell. And it showed the class that Nick Powell has um, when he just lifted that ball over the keeper, Johnson, into the net. 
And the other part, of course, was the absolute roar that came out of the booth end that we've missed for the best part of two years. So that, for me, is the moment. What's yours? My moment's the goal against Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah, the timing one. goal. I thought yeah. that, that, that goal was Stoke alone at its best, to be honest. And, yeah, fair comment. And for me, when that goal went in, I thought, there's a change here. Because before, I was still a bit worried at that point. I thought, you know, are we... Are we is, is there anything changed and anything like that? But the way they passed the ball round and passed it with great intent and then timing to run on, a player that we've all... And we, even every everybody's always had a bit of a dig at timing because of his inconsistency and how, how he's, he's hit and miss. But the way he took the chance as well, it was a great finish. I mean, Sam Sully should take some advice. That was the moment where I thought, we've got a chance this season. I think if we could play like that regularly... We've got a real chance of going up because we have got. A re- they, they look like they're fighting for each other. It looks like they, they, they're all friends. They, they, they're up for this, and they're all kids. They're all young lads, and that's yeah, the thing that, that I'm excited. He's he's, yeah, exactly. He's, he's got a hungry group of players, but they're all young and they're all excited. And the thing is, like when we went up under Peels, it was great because it was it was all new. And we, I've never experienced Stoke in the top division, even though I think I was mid twenties at that point. But when, you know, we go up with a young side, which is what I'm hoping, you know, there's so much growth there that could happen without having to spend £100 million. Because we've got a group of young lads, Norwich have done it, but they don't invest at all, really, when they go up, which is why they just fly straight back down. When that, when I saw that opportunity against Forrest, because they defended brilliantly Forrest, they came with a plan that worked, and they, they nullified us, but the, the way we passed them, they couldn't cope with it. And it was the only way yeah. we were going to win that game. And I thought, if they can win games like this when the defence has got our number, that, that's where I got excited and I thought, we've got a bloody chance this season of getting promotion. And that's my moment then. The West Brom game was the best as a fan because I felt like we were back home again with the West Brom game because it was yeah. it was a feeling of they'd filled the away end, the passion was back and it was the first time since Covid where I felt we're back. And and that's that's the moment I felt. But the goal against Forest, I thought, was brilliant football. It really was. And against West Brom, the other thing that I think is worth remembering is that we were on TV and we played great football. They were the ones using the long ball tactics with the throw-in. My biggest complaint, as I said, I think, last week was we didn't nick the towels quickly enough. Uh, <laughs> although I saw your mate Ben had one um, when he was being interviewed at the end which I thought was quite funny he was standing there holding the towel you know how things change all of a sudden Stoke aren't the long ball team and the team everybody's lauding before the match West Brom resort to long throws and towels and, and we played them off the pitch which was great for me for everybody to see Stoke City playing really good football on TV well, it is because we haven't been very good on TV since relegation, have we? I mean, started with that Leeds game, which is what the most disappointing game I think I've ever ever known, especially yeah. with how we were being built up before the game. I remember, I, I remember even saying to people at work, "Oh, we'll, we'll be champions by before Christmas," and then and then somehow the season unfolded. I look like an absolute tool. I just got absolutely rinsed for it. Yeah, you were really. You're probably best not saying that. <laughs> well, it's, it's too late. It happened. Can't go back. Can't you notice his fingers a time machine. You figure that out when you get old. And you know, at the moment, it's like Michael O'Neill is probably one of the best managers I think we've had since probably Tony Pulis. To be honest, I think he's. I like his honesty. I like his level-headedness. I like how he's building a team. I like how he likes to bring our own academy players through as well as bring his own young lads in. 
And how, how impressed have you been with Michael O'Neill since he's come to the club? Well, I, I see him in a slightly different light as well because obviously I have the privilege of being able to speak to him on press conferences. And if I, if I put on my real normal, stable, uh, non-emotional head on when I'm doing that, I think he's a class act. I think he handles the press really, really well. Whatever questions you throw at him, as you say, he's very honest. Um, I think he's pragmatic. And the one thing I think he's done at Stoke City is he's, he's come in, he's looked at what was needed to be done, and we all know about the dead wood, but when he came in, there were players playing in positions they'd never played before, and he quickly decided, you're a full-back, you'll play full-back. You're a wing-back, you'll play wing-back. You're a centre-forward, you'll play centre-forward. He simplified everything. He got us out of the mess we were in, and then he realised he'd got to get rid of a lot of the people because they obviously didn't want to be here and they didn't have the same feeling for the club as he wanted. So I think he's done a fantastic job of transitioning the club and keeping us stable, well, getting us back to be stable, uh, whilst also lowering the age of the squad and giving us a chance of going back up. So for me, I, I would say, yeah, Mark Hughes got us three nine-place finishes and uh, we saw some of the best football I've seen. Not the best for me, some of the best football uh, I've seen at Stoke but I think when you look at the work that Michael O'Neill was left to do when he came in this club then I would say that he is the um, the next best manager since Tony Pulis that, that we've had I agree because I mean a lot of, there's a bit of a sore subject with Mark Hughes because it was such a transition from good to terrible in such a quick time that I'll have a bitterness towards him. I really will. I think he always will with Mark Hughes because, let's be honest, he built a team around what Tony Pulis left and then as soon as he had to rebuild what Pulis had left, he, he couldn't do it and we literally fell apart and money was horrifically spent. And, and the, to be fair to Michael O'Neill, he's the first manager who's come in and gone, right, let's rid this rubbish he brought in. They don't want me here. I don't want them let's get rid and he's done it this season and look at the turnaround the performances on the pitch the happiness in the fans I mean every Stoke fan at the moment is cautious and a bit worried but happy now there's a big difference in the fans as well as as well as the pitch because of Michael O'Neill he deserves great credit for what's gone on he really does I mean I can't wait now to go games for the last five years I've been oh no Stoke are playing this Saturday yeah it didn't it? Yeah. it became an absolute chore to go and you went because that's what you did you went out of ha- I went out of habit and I didn't enjoy it and, I, and there were a couple of seasons where I spent more time texting my mates in other parts of the ground than I did watching the football yeah it was it, it, it was just a chore but those days are hopefully gone forever now and uh, you asked me what I thought of him and, and I just think he's um, not only is he a good manager he's a good bloke he's a class bloke in actual fact yeah, he is. There's no question of it. Right, so now we'll move into question time. We put a question up for everybody last week, which was who is everybody's ideal top six? Who they f- And I've told them put it in order as well, so if they haven't, they get banned. So, first to well, six. I've a few being banned, but I'll just read a few out. John Sharrock picked Bournemouth, Fulham, Stoke, Queen's Park Rangers, Sheffield United and West Brom. I picked the same six. He didn't want it to be in that order. But he just felt the, the missing the chances that uh, we do, which you've mentioned, 
would would come back to bite us. And then some bloke, I think his name was Ian Mellor, wrote back and put Sheffield United no chance. I, I still, um, I'm still backing that. <laughs> I see. I think Sheffield United will get in. Um, Scott Gray put uh, Bournemouth, Stoke, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United, and Blackburn, and he thought it would be in that order. Adam it. Thompson put. Bournemouth, Fulham, Stoke, Sheffield United, West Brom and Cardiff. And I don't want to read any more out now that Cardiff are in. Well, Cardiff there's more chance of there's more chance of Ale getting in it to be honest. Unless unless they sat the manager, they, they're absolutely horrible to watch. And I, I feel sorry. I know I don't feel sorry for Cardiff because we'll go into why I don't feel sorry for Cardiff a bit later when we go into rivals. Question: We'll do another one for next week. If people want getting mentioned, they can they can just go to the Potters podcast and join us on Twitter. And the questions there, and you can answer it, and you'll get a mention. Right. So now we'll go into what you you mentioned your teams last week. Let's see if you remember what they were. What's your top six in order? Please? I just told you what my top six were. Well, I just said that uh, for the purposes of, of of this whole thing. I just said what uh, my top six were. I think we'll be third. I don't think we'll quite do it. I, I was actually thinking of saying, you know what, I've changed my mind, we'll come second. Because I think Fulham will get top and I think West Brom will get second. And then I, and I, part of this week, you know, when you're thinking, you're wishing your life away and you're thinking there was a match, I'm thinking we should get above, we should get above West Brom. I just don't think we will and that's just how can I put it that's just me being the way I feel you know but there was a, an actual survey done reviewing all the league tables and, and seeing where people would finish and the second tier pod are you ready? Yeah. They had West Brom Fulham Sheffield United Bournemouth Queen's Park Rangers and Cardiff in the first six places and Stoke was seventh Cardiff? Where, where's all the stuff yeah. for Cardiff? On the fourth bottom? Well, th- this is what people said. They were reviewing the league table predictions from the start of the season. So they had West Brom, Fulham, Sheffield, Bournemouth, Cardiff, sorry, QPR, Cardiff and Stoke. Forest were eighth, Borough were ninth. And at the start of the season, you know, I'd have taken seven spots, but I think we've shipped that we can go up and if we're a bit more clinical in front of goal, we've got Tyrese coming back and maybe Seema, I think that we'll go up because we are creating those chances. And the only thing that I think will stop us, even though it's a long way to go yet, is we haven't got that central defensive midfielder nailed down yet. And I think that's the only reason that will stop us from getting in the, in the top six. But that's, that just shows you how people's perspectives have changed in 10 matches from looking at that table and thinking, I'd take seventh now. I'd rip your hand off the seventh. Now people suddenly think, no, why, why seventh? Yeah, We're better yeah. than that. And that just goes back to what you said. It shows the turnaround and, and how well he's worked. I still think we'll finish third. Where have you got us? I've got us fourth. So you don't think we're good enough to finish third even then? No. I, the, the, the thing is, it's, it's not about, I don't think that we're good enough. I think the turnaround we have, I think it's just a, a season too early the automatics are out like that but I think finishing fourth I'd, I, you know would I, if I, if they go back to the start of the season I think I predicted as ninth which I thought was a good place after the way we finished last season and now I'm completely changing my mind where I'm even getting to the point if Campbell does it it's some kind of form where we could even break top two the, the fact is that the improvement there is, is there to be seen and my prediction was that I think that 
I'm not going to have Fulham. I think Bournemouth will go up top. I think West Brom will sneak in second because they've, they've just got the quality. But I've got a feeling Fulham, I think Mitrovic will get an injury. He always has niggly injuries, Mitrovic. And without Mitrovic, Fulham are nothing, especially in this division because he is lethal and he's the only man they've got that scores goals. And when you look at him when he doesn't play, they, they don't pick up results. And I've got them in his third, Stoke fourth, and then I, I can't think who will put him fifth. And then I put Barnsley sneaking back in. Because I know Barnsley... Yeah, you've got this thing about Barnsley, haven't you? The thing is with Barnsley, because of that person who's... There's a film on in Moneyball and about how he created um, analytics, which pretty much every club is now following. He's the king of it. And because he's gone in at Barnsley... And and you look at... His first season was last year in that role. And they started a bit dodgy, but then kicked on to that amazing unbeaten run where, what was it, 15 games, 17 games, was it, or something... They went unbeaten. I don't know they've got it in them again. I look at the quality. It's like, like, but it's a, it's a, it's an idiot's game trying to predict the championship. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And, and, and some people will say it's the best league because of that. For me, I just think it's a really hard, grinding, grueling league. That I, you know, when everybody, like you said the other week, Ian, everybody was saying, oh, we'll win more games in the championship and it's a great watch. I'd rather be out of it tomorrow going upwards, not downwards. But it's so unpredictable. And and if you're an impartial fan, if you're a football fan, it's really probably quite enjoyable because one week the bottom team can stuff the team at the top. And anybody can find a run as well. That's yeah. the thing I find with the Championship. You don't really get it in the Premier League much. Like, for a team in the bottom half, a run of three wins is like, you, you know, winning the FA Cup. It's it's incredible feeling. But when, yeah. when you're in the Championship, anybody can go through a bad run or a great run. It's only the consistent teams that go up automatic. Normally, the teams that have spent the most money or teams that have dropped down from the Premier League. And with Bournemouth getting Scott Parker, I, I just think he's a quality manager. And he, he's already proved that at Bournemouth. Because last year, Bournemouth didn't even make the playoffs. But the way they're improving now, they're looking the most consistent team. And that's the big word in the Championship. If you can bring consistency to your game, you go up. The most consistent goes up. And, but anyone can go it. It's like Stoke proved it last season, where we started the season well, we were looking strong, we were looking good. One major injury, we crumble. Yeah. And that, that, that's the thing. Coventry. You look at Coventry, you'd never put Coventry where they are now. Um, you know, they're, they're having a good run. I, I think they'll they'll fall off. Um, I also think Reading will fall off, although they've had one good win. And Melbourne, I think, are drawing too many games to, 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 to make a playoff. But as you've said, Cardiff, I think everybody thought they'd uh, they'd be in, in with a chance, but the, on their current form, they ain't going to go anywhere. <laughs> in the current form, they, they could be playing Vale, a <laughs> crew, let's, let's, let's be honest, which I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Yeah, predicting the championship is a hard thing to do, especially this early on, because like I say, Barnsley, last season this time, I would have said Barnsley were going down last year, but the turnaround they had in a, in a, in a period of games shows that anything's possible. I can remember Stoke, um, when we did go up under Pulis, we had an incredible first half of the season. We brought loads of players in on loan and just started to crumble a bit, but we picked up yeah. enough points to... I mean, I still to this day say if... If Watford had kept Marlon King, we wouldn't have gone up that year. Yeah, you're probably right. I they sold him to Wigan, didn't they? He was on fire and Watford were comfortably top. Then they sold him to Wigan for, I think, 15 million and they crumbled. They stopped scoring goals and we snuck. Well, we, we were top, weren't we, for a long time, weren't we, after that? And yeah. 
you know, Fuller stopped scoring and Lawrence stopped scoring and we were scraping his way through results. But that's how it goes. As long as you, this is what I mean about this season. We we could be doing the scraping early, and but still picking up points because we haven't really been amazing when we played. But we've been picking up the results even when we've been playing bad. And when Campbell and Simmer come back and could be that partnership we need, we could walk it from now on and win the league. You don't know really. And that's the that is the. Uh, it's it's a, yeah, I'm getting a bit far ahead, but you never know, do you? And that's the no. thing about the championship, right? And right, so now we're going to talk on a topic that I think we need to talk about, and that's going to be the question this week about rivalries. Who is everybody's top six rivalries? And this is a good subject for me because obviously I think you're going to have Vale high up, and I'm struggling to put Port Vale in my top six because of course we never play each other. So I wanted I want to hear if on the spot now I know it's a bit of pressure but who are your top six rivals as well? Well, I'm not going to put Vale top on principle because I will never put Vale top of anything. But are we having top six or top whatever three, four? We well, we'll go top six. So the six least most and first is your most hated club. So right. Well, if if you're going for most hated, then um, then it would be pretty close between Vale and uh, Man United. But I'm not going to put Vale at top of anything I've said. Man United are definitely the team that um, I always wanted us to beat because I felt felt when we were in the Premier League. You know, it was really important for us to to have a mark against Man United. I put Liverpool second, and nobody will ever tell me that one of the best footballing days in my life wasn't Steven Gerrard's last match playing for Liverpool because that was just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Wolves is another one that I, um, because they are Staffordshire, I, I always wanted to get one over on Wolves. West Brom, boing boing bag off. We always used to beat them, so I got really upset when we didn't beat them. Uh, I'm going to put Vale as fifth because, um, again, I don't want to put them at the bottom. It was a big, a big deal in in my younger years. I really don't haven't got a great deal more to say than that, and I try and obliterate the ones we didn't win. And the last one for me would be Derby. I would have Derby in sixth place, but. Unfortunately, we aren't going to be playing them much more, are we? No, no, we're not, because we're going to go up or they're going to go down. It's, it's one of them things. I'd love them to stay up, you know, on another note. I really would love them to stay up, because it must be so hard for the fans to... You know, we, we've gone watching matches and thought, God, this is a chore. They're going watching matches knowing that they're really dead and buried now, unless they, they just go on a magnificent run. It must be awful to have bought a ticket to go and watch a team that you think are already relegated at this time of year. Yeah, it is. I'm surprised because my, my top isn't even on your list. Who's that? <laughs> I'll, I'll go into that last one I, <laughs> I finish that. Right, so I'll go in at six. Wolves are six. Okay, and well, I pick Wolves. It, well, Wolves are in at six because I, I, I do hate Wolves. I've got to be honest. I, can't, I, I hate them because... When we, when I was young and when I was growing up in the championship with the Pulis first time, which was hard to hard to watch, to be honest. So when you said like talked about chore earlier on, it was a chore to go Stoke. I found it similar to that when Pulis's first spell, where there was no real invention, there was no. It was just we were hard, and that was it. There was there's bits of quality in in things which always always comes with. But it, yeah. we were hard to watch. We were a hard team that were defended well, but we, it felt like we weren't really going anywhere at that point because the Icelanders had stopped spending because Pulis wasn't going to buy following it, it, it players at that point. 
and it was it was hard to watch. But the thing I hated Wolves for is they always beat us at that time, and that's when yeah. I was in my teen years. So it was it was hard, and there was a, we used to have a couple of uh, Wolves fans who I worked with who used to wind me up, but they weren't as bad as a, a fan that is the whole reason why there's another team higher up. I just hated Wolves, and the best day I had was Stoke versus Wolves was that time when there was a change around when we were in the Prem and Mick McCarthy brought them up and we beat them home and away both times because yeah, they went down in that. that second year yeah. that was the great time where I could I wish I still waited at the place so I could go in and go I've got a Wolves eh yeah. and it was great to see because but there's always been a rivalry there because they are Staffordshire they are they, for me they are our proper local rival for me because yeah. I, I'll, I'll talk about Vale Rart at the end but the, the, the reason why it is because they are Staffordshire I know the rights on the board here. I mean I think a quarter of the stadium is somewhere else and then the Staffordshire is the rest of the stadium it is it is just one of them things I don't like him right so now going to fifth fifth I'm going to have to go in with Man United um, can't stand Man United I hate plastic supporters I can't stand the football club I hate everything they stand for I hate I hate this title because we're Man United we should be champions because we're Man United we should be the best we are this we are that and when we beat them that, that, the, the couple of times we did beat them especially the one where Charlie Adams scored a screamy the release that came off me was uh, was incredible. I can remember the obviously the time in the league cup in the early nineties when I was very young, when Mark Steen gave him a, a couple of goals and and we beat him there. Fair enough, not the first touch house, but Schmeichel played and and Steen made him look like a fool. The reason I hate Man United, I, I think it's, it, we're not the only team that are that did is we. I think it's every other team in England has that same feeling. I think everybody hates United. I think everyone says everyone hates Leeds and everyone hates Millwall. I prefer Leeds and Millwall to Man United all day of the week. Yeah. And that's the reason why I hate them. Where are we now? So that's fifth. Fourth. Fourth, I'm going to have to go in with Derby. I hate Derby. I hate them. I'm, I'm, I just hate... I hate... Again, there's a, there seems to be an entitlement there as well. Because Brian Clough did something very special to him a long time ago, they talk about like they are the top side in England and, and Derby should be in the Premier League and Derby that they haven't been in the Premier League for nearly 30 years coming on and but they talk about that they're the best team in the Championship and all this and I, there was a fan at work and, he, and he, his name was Dave and he drove me insane he drove me insane because all he did was wind me up because Stoke were garbage at the time and Derby went up and the, the thing that I ate the most is I left that job before they had that Premier League season because they came down yeah, with the least points. With the least points, and I would have murdered him. But I never got that chance. But because of how much he, he bragged about Derby, it just made me hate him more. And because of that, they're so high on my list. Okay. Right, so number three, and I'm on number three. Number three has got to be Liverpool. Right. <sighs> that, that day, because of course they're just as bad as United with Liverpool, with it at Liverpool. The plastics are everywhere. But that 9 1 affected me deeply. I've got to be honest. And, you know, we had plastic supporters left, right and centre having to go at me all the time because it was, you know, you're rubbish, this, that and the other. And, but as a football club, they're, they're the same. You know, the fans, they've got very good fans. I'm not going to sit there and say they aren't, but they talk about Liverpool like like it's heaven. You know, like, they're the best team ever, this, this, this. And, and, and to be fair, they were a good side, there's no question. But I hate them. And, and, and I think a lot of that comes from my dad as well, to be honest. 
because he's I know that his number one eighty team is Liverpool, and I think I've got me that in as well. Right, so number two, number two is an odd one, but it's something I've just never started. I just can't stand them, and that's Cardiff City. It's it's not a rivalry that that obviously started when you were young and all that lot, but Cardiff City when I was growing up and because of the playoffs and when they took all our best players and yeah, were expected to walk the league. Oh. It's the first time I felt hatred for a club because I was very young back then and I remember yeah. my dad managed to backhandedly get tickets for the game. You know, the, the, the ante had gone on sale and he managed to get somebody who knew somebody at the club who, who got him two tickets for, for us and we managed to go in Park. And it's, the, it's probably, for the age I was, the most barbaric scenes I've ever been to coins being thrown violence it was horrible, it, it was know, horrible. my dad had to get over the top of me to protect me because bottles were coming over coins I can remember a coin hit my leg and it hurt and did you pick your dog? no it was only no no you, you couldn't turn round on <laughs> I would have got a bottle in the face <laughs> it was it was barbaric it was barbaric and I can remember I can remember all the build up to the to the playoff game and you know, because they stole, at the, at the time, my favourite player in Graham Cavaney. Yeah. But it was also a great year because that playoff semi-final at Nidian Park was the best game I've been to. I know we've had the 6-1 and we've had the semi-final, but we battered them. That game was on a knife edge for 90 minutes. And the way, yeah. when James O'Connor scored that goal, I declared him, he's my hero. And, he, and he, I think he always will be. James O'Connor is my favourite ever player to play for Stoke. And it's because right. of that, yeah, it's because of that season. That season, that, that that season, he got us up, and I don't care what anybody says, it was him alone. Because we'd lost his two best players, we'd bought rubbish in, and there's no question of that we bought absolute rubbish. Half, half of them couldn't even play because they were too old and unfit. And James O'Connor just picked that game. I can remember a time when he, I think it was the 65th minute, and they're in Shaw, I think his name was Mister Mister Free Eddie, which yeah, which would have sealed it. And I can remember him going to the Stoke fans and putting his fist up, and I was like, "Come on!" Because I was I was nervous yeah. all the way through yeah. the game, and and Happy then he days. and then he scored that free kick, and and I was I've he was like life left me. I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and then he went on a full length run. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was just the best day being a Stoke fan. Like I've never yeah. had an experience like that because I went from nervousness to happiness and to beat Cardiff, who'd yeah. taken all our players and stopped them going up. What a day, and, and I just and I'll, ate... I'll always wonder if the man on the PA system still chokes on the words, Please stay off the pitch at the end of the match, the players will do a lap of honour. I always wonder if he felt a bit of a brat for saying that because it was our lads that did the lap of honour. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty that, that, that I don't think because you know, like the 5 0 was amazing, don't get me wrong, it was it was a great day, but to be there on a game that literally is spinning on a plate. Yeah, and it, was, it was on a knife edge, that was. I've, I've, never, you, I've never felt yeah. it. Yeah, so are you on your number one now? And I know it's going to be the Gooners. It is Arsenal, yeah. Yeah, without a question, I, I hate Arsenal. <laughs> I, I do. I, I'm surprised. Why have you left them off your list, and Why wouldn't you put at Arsenal? I'll tell you why I've left them off my list. I wouldn't give them the dignity of putting them top on... I wouldn't put them on any list that had Stoke City in the same breath. That's the only reason I've left them off. I, I can tell you now, um, without any doubt, that if you wanted the team that I dislike most in the world, it would be that team. 
but I'm never ever going to give an Arsenal fan the chance of saying ha ha we got under your skin because I've only got to see some of my friends from London um, unfortunately have this misguided opinion that they're a decent team um, I, I can tell you now and I think I've mentioned this before Ian that the players that played in the two cup semi-finals against that team are still haunted by the way the football club were robbed that day and just the mention of them now has got my back up so that's why they're not in my hated top six because there were, if, if you wanted an honest list from me of who I hate the most in football hate's the wrong word Dislike most Arsenal would be one to a hundred. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. I, I, I just hate them. And, and I know it's a strong word, but I do. I, I absolutely. But you weren't. You were. You. You don't have the same. I mean, you have the hatred based on things different to me. Well, I know, yeah, but but it isn't. So diff- what? What got you to hate them that much? Because I used to watch. Because we dad. Yeah. We dad. We dad. We dad's the same thing. Because I used to. He used to give me this, these tapes. Which is what he, a bit, which is why I know all about Peggy. Can I, I know all about history compared to you know a lot of other Stoke fans my age? Like, yeah. like I'll yeah. talk to my mates who are similar age to me, and I'll go, imagine how good Freddie Steele was if he'd played in his peak, and you're like, who's who? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I, I really love the history of the club, which is why I've done a podcast because I breathe Stoke. It, it's my favourite thing beyond obviously family and in life. But when my dad used to give me these tapes, I used to see the heartbreak in his eyes when he gave me this yeah. tape and it because let's be honest we, we've never been blessed with luck as a football club we never have but that day those days on those two semi-finals we were literally robbed we were robbed absolutely there is there are very few things in this world that I will turn around and say in sport we were robbed but we were cheated out of two successive semi-finals cheated 100% no doubt in any of the players' minds, no doubt in my mind. The first one, the never ever played added time in football matches. I don't know how long we had added time, but it was never it was never not a foul. We we can go through it. They yeah, were cheated. Yeah, they yeah. were cheated in two successive semi finals. And as I said, the the players that are still alive, it still haunts them. It should. It it, it is. Yeah, I feel for them. It, they're not the only ones, obviously, the Derby and the semi-final at European Cup, but don't talk about yeah. that anyway. But, you know, it, it goes to now, though, because obviously, you know, it was like the, the hatred between the two fans when I went to the, the, I think it was the third round FA Cup match when Wayne Thomas gave us false hope in the first half when we went 1-0 yeah. up. That was a great day. I thought, we're here at Ivory, and I've only been once, and I thought, what a shithole. And the, the, and the, the, the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, I just, I just can't stand them. It's like, it's weird, really, because like, when when you talk to like United fans and Liverpool fans, or anyone, anyone who's got a local rival, because let's be honest, Stoke is the smallest city to have two teams. Yeah, it, it, it's frightening, really, that we've got two teams. But you know, like Man United fans ask where can they go? Who do you hate the most? I don't even breathe Arsenal. Well, it's hard for me to even speak about them. And while you're on the fact that you hate the Arsenal, I did laugh last night because somebody sent me the Instagram that Barclays had done of Ian Wright and his son visiting his grandson at the training ground at Stoke. And if anybody hasn't seen it, 
I suggest you watch it. it it's there. I won't spoil it, but they're in the car coming up to Stoke. And one of the first things Ian Wright says is, I love Stoke. Well, Mr. Wright, you don't love Stoke. You've never loved Stoke, and we don't love you. You're, yeah, yeah. you're a decent pundit, you're a great footballer, but you aren't going to pull the wool over Stokey's eyes. You're an Arsenal player, an ex-Arsenal player, and we just don't like each other. There's only one ex... There's, well, there might be a few, actually, but I think there's only one ex-Arsenal player I like, and that's George Easton. I don't think there's anyone else other than him. Well, there's there's one, uh, the one who I like, who, who played decent for Stoke, well, there's two that played decent for Stoke. Uh, one who I still like, and I'll never forgive him, because he's a, a friend, Steve Bold, and the other one, uh, Lee Dixon, I don't think he's told anybody he ever played for Stoke since he left. So I'm not particularly bothered about him. But, uh, you know, they did well out of us, Arsenal. They had two of our best players uh, who went on and helped them to win great honours. And they were a good team. But I, I just, as far as I'm concerned, Arsenal Wenger made it even worse. Yeah, yeah, because when, when we finally did start playing each other regularly in the Premier League, you know, there was already a rivalry there, which probably Wenger didn't even know, let's be honest. He probably didn't even know about the rivalry between Stoke and, and Arsenal. It's, it's always been there. You know, the rivalry between Stoke and Arsenal, in my opinion, is always going to be bigger than Vale. And it, it always will be, because like the thing is, why Vale aren't we listening? I know there's going to be a lot of Stoke fans who are listening to this, but it's of a certain age who will be going mad at me. Going, how have you not got Port Vale on your list? Because the fact is, they only played each other for eight years of my life. And... They're, they're nothing to me because the fact is yeah. the difference in level you know for, for most of my life they've played at a lower level than Stoke they've played in yeah. the bottom tier so how, how can and fair enough if we bumped into each other in the cup quite regularly but we haven't bumped into a cup since the days when we played with them yeah we haven't no, played right. apart from that under what was it that under 23s game where we played them in the in the auto glass whatever it is we haven't met, bumped into each other for 20 odd years Vale for me as a club are nothing compared to Stoke and I know Vale fans will be fuming at me at stuff like that but it is true you know most of their history they've been second tier second bottom tier or bottom tier we've never bumped into each other we're a bigger club by a jumping mile so for me to put Vale on my most hated club we never play them yeah they're down the road but what's the point when you never see each other it's yeah well we did have a couple of years when we played each other in the in the second tier of football, when they were doing very well, sorry, in the lower leagues of football, sorry, I did them a disservice. And I, I think, again, your dad would have a different view. He would probably, if your dad's a true Stokey, he probably would have Vale in one of his can't-be-bothered teams. Yeah, yeah, because obviously I think my dad was in his early 40s when Stoke and Vale were bumping into each other. My dad hates Vale, he, he does, but... Like I say, I was too young to pick up the rivalry. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing. And yeah, we always have a bit of a dig at each other, but that's all it is now. And it has been for 20 odd years, which is just yeah. little digs because they've lost and we've won or they've won and we've lost. There's yeah, no real connection. My dad is it? was uh, one of the era of you went Stoke and then you went the Vale because you couldn't get to away matches as easy in those days. And my mum and dad went to Vale games and, and it is reported in our family I never forgave my father for this that the first match I went to was a Vale match carried in as a very young child it obviously scarred me for life 
Um, I was a baby actually, and they couldn't get anybody to look after me, so I went the match with them up, up uh, to to watch the veil. Obviously, I was asleep all the way through it. Um, <laughs> but I never forgave my father for that. And whenever we had an argument, we were very similar. Me and my dad. I used to tell him, "And you made me go to the veil for my first ever match." And that's what I used to say at the start of arguments. How pathetic is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, next week you're going to be on. You, next week, Andrew will be on the Valiance podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How did they go on midweek? Because I know the ladies played midweek yeah, as well. They lost midweek. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not going so well I'm at all. You, I'm glad you asked me about that because I was trying to gloss over the fact that they lost in the midweek. They're not having too great a, a start to the season, are they? But there you go. Right, so we'll go away into predictions next week against Sheffield United. Well, my prediction is a two-all draw. A two-all draw? Yeah. I think we'll smash them 3 0. I don't re- really much to follow that with, other than you're on the drink again. I don't, no, I know, you know, you know we don't drink. The, the, the thing is, I, ju- I just feel that they're, they're so old, that team. They're so destroyed by what's happened over the last season. Fair enough, they've picked a bit of form, but then they've dropped that form off again. I think they're there for the taking. I know it's away, but the way we're creating chances, we've had how laboured they look when they play. We've got every chance. And you've just said yourself a while ago that you think that Stoke could do a big result, a big win. And I think it's coming on Saturday. I'm probably going to be wrong, because most of the time I am. But I've got a feeling we'll give them a good game, and I think we'll, we'll give them a good lesson to be honest. People who think they're going to get to the playoffs, I think they're living on the moon. They'll finish 10th well, in my opinion. this person's one of those moon dwellers. Um, <laughs> and I don't think you're factoring in that some of our players will have been halfway around the universe this last couple of weeks. People like Harry Suter, who's been to Japan. People like Marco, who have been in Kazakhstan. I think you have to factor that in. And uh, let's hope that nobody gets injured. But I'll be very happy if I'm wrong and you're right. Well, I think Sheffield United are in the same boat. I think they've got a few players who've been travelling up. I think Burgess, it's all big. I don't, know, I don't know how I say his name. He's been travelling all over the place. I know they've got a few internationals as well, so they'll be in the same boat. But they're older, and that makes a big difference, in my opinion. When I know experience does play, but it's experience that's been losing. It, they remind me of Stoke, I've got to be honest. They remind me of Stoke when we came down and played with Gary Rowett, where... They brought a manager in with a lot of experience in the championship, but he's a man who did that years ago, not recently. And yeah. I feel that they they do another big big hiding. I, I, I just I've just got this real feeling because we said this last time, didn't we, about you know Harry Suter travelling across the world, and and when he come back, he was still our best defender, which shows that you know he's probably at that age where travelling all over the world doesn't affect him. I wish. Really, he did choose Scotland to play for rather than Australia, because at least then he's only he's going Europe rather than all over the globe with yes. Australia, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, Sheffield United there for the taking. I think they're struggling, and yeah, three 0 I'm I'm sticking it in. I'm I'm putting it in three 0 You're going two two because you're being negative. You're the negative one this week. I've noticed. <laughs> 
it's all turned round. I'm the positive one, and you've got to hold out. We're not going to well, go very cautious. I'm say positive. I'm say deluded. But that's, that's, <laughs> your, that's your impersonation of positive. <laughs> right, so that's sort of one done, Ange. Uh, before yeah. we go, we, we'll put up the question, which is obviously what we both agreed on, which is um, who, were, who was everyone's most hated rival? Um, well, your top six rivals. And we'll see what the answers are. We'll go through them next week. Yeah, well, enjoy your week, everybody, and come on, Stoke. Come on, Stoke. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Another podcast done. If you want to get more involved with us here at the Potters Podcast, make sure you get yourself on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you get on Twitter, obviously, be able to answer the question. Just type in the Potters Podcast. You'll find it's easy. Just just add yourself to. We've also got a group page called The Potters, which you're more than welcome to join. If you are listening on itunes if you could do me the great honor of giving me a five star and a good review it goes a long way for this podcast and hopefully in the future can start doing more especially with players and interviews we're really trying and with your help it could make a big difference so thanks for listening ta all the best